This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. Let's join Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. Good afternoon. We've had the latest inflation numbers for the UK, which show that price rises have slowed for a second month in a row. But perhaps these figures aren't quite as encouraging as many would have hoped. It was a good figure compared to what was expected. So it was slightly better than expected. And it is the second consecutive month that we have seen disinflation. So we don't want to knock that. We would have craved this kind of progress a few months ago. The problem is that we're still above 10%. So, I mean, we've come down from 11.1 to 10.5. And on a core basis, we're still at 6.3. So we're not near having achieved the mission set out by the Bank of England to get inflation moving sustainably back to target. There's still a long way to go in that. That doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to see lots more interest rate hikes in the Bank of England uh, because there is a lag effect with monetary policy for for one, but also we are seeing signs of slowdown in the UK. We may have just about avoided a recession in the fourth quarter thanks to stronger spending in November. We've got the World Cup to thank for that. But that doesn't mean that we are uh, not going to see a serious slowdown in the economy and maybe a recession this year, and that's going to have a disinflationary impact as well. So, yes, we can look at today's data and say, you know what, combined with the stronger wage data that we had earlier in the week, this is good for households in the short term because it means that we're seeing some relief in the cost of living pressures. But at the same time, the job isn't done. Uh, We need to see inflation fall much further, much, much further before the Bank of England will stop raising rates. And really what we need to see is wages slowing too because one of the things that's going to make the bank of england nervous or two things that are going to make the bank of england nervous is one if wages remain high wages are not responsible for inflation at this point but that doesn't mean they can't become part of the inflation problem further on and two it's the fact that the core reading is still too high and things like services inflation is that real stubborn inflation that the central banks not just the bank of england but central banks more broadly are concerned about so I think this is a step in the right direction, but we shouldn't get too excited. The pound is up today again to just over $124. Is that a sign of weakness of the dollar or a strength of sterling and perhaps ties in a little with these figures? I think it's mainly a bit of weakness in the dollar. The dollar index is off around three quarters of 1% today. The pound is up a little bit more than that against the US dollar. So there is a pound element within that. This could be a sense. It really depends how you read that. I mean, I think at this point in time, the way we have to read these things is anything that, that necessitates the need for more interest rate hikes is negative for the economy and has been viewed as negative for the currency because... It, it the, the the UK economy is in such a precarious state right now that any further rate hikes than what is currently priced in by the markets is just going to compound those pressures and compound the misery and make the recovery that much harder. So perhaps what we're seeing with the data that we've seen recently is being more well received by the pound because lower inflation some more buffer effect from the wages which is probably not going to be sustained and the economy performing a little bit better we're not going to see a soft landing per se in the uk like we could get in the us but maybe some of this data is pointing to a softer landing than was previously feared which is why the pound's doing all right and the forthcoming interest rate announcement in february from the bank of england 
So the markets are still pricing in a 50 basis point rate hike. So that'll take the bank rate from 3.5% to 4%. And then the markets are pricing in consecutive 25 basis point rate hikes after that, taking the bank rate to 4.5% in May, which is where the terminal rate is currently expected to land. But of course, the landscape is changing all the time. If you look at the landscape now compared to three weeks ago, there's a lot more optimism now. All of a sudden, it's a soft landing is achievable in the US. China is going to bounce back incredibly strongly because the transition from zero COVID to no restrictions and living with COVID could be give a massive boost to the economy and it's performed quite well over the last month or two or better than expected over the last month or two. Suddenly, people are talking about the fact that they could not see a recession in the euro area and that the UK may not be in recession after all. I mean, that's the narrative that's changed just in the last three weeks. Imagine what can change in three months' time. So we've got to take things with a relative pinch of salt. This is a always, at the moment, a rapidly changing environment. And at the mo- this point in time, it is a more optimistic one, but those odds are, are going to fluctuate. Meanwhile, overnight, the Bank of Japan has opted against upping its yield curve control. How have markets reacted? They've uh, reacted quite surprisingly. I mean, they've bounced back a lot, really, uh, over the course of the day. If you uh, if you consider that earlier this morning, before the European Open, the dollar yen pair was up around two and a half percent, and now actually it's down about point three percent. So there's been wild fluctuations throughout the day. Basically, what we've got here is the yield curve control policy tool is the staple of the Bank of Japan. It's what it's been using for a number of years now to control the 10-year yield um, around 0%. Now, in December, they surprised the markets by opting to... Uh, by opting to widen the uh, buffer from 25 basis points either side of 0% to 50 basis points either side of 0%. And the markets moved really aggressively. I think they thought that would buy them flexibility in time, but I think the reality of the fact is that what it did is it invited pressure because all of a sudden markets were anticipating further tightening, really, uh, or removal of stimulus. They thought this was the first step towards abandoning the yield curve control uh, policy tool altogether. And that's something that the Bank of Japan pushed back against. But once this narrative forms, it's very hard to get rid of. And all of a sudden, the Bank of Japan's been having to intervene in the markets repeatedly in order to try and keep uh, the 10-year yield within that band uh, of minus 05 to 0.5%. Uh, so this overnight, there was a speculation this week that we could actually see that tweaked again, or we could see it abandoned altogether and that never materialised. So yeah, we saw a lot of volatility in the markets. We've seen big moves in the yen. Today, it seems relatively flat on the day at the time of recording, but given the fluctuations and the volatility we've already seen today, you never know what's going to happen. But it means that the Nikkei, for example, in Asia overnight, massively outperformed the rest of the Asia markets and rose 2.5%. But given that the the yen has reversed its moves uh, over the course of today, I imagine that we could see if the these moves are maintained. We could potentially see the Nikkei have a have a, a worse open than the rest of Asia come tomorrow. And we've just had the latest US retail numbers come through. What do they show? Yeah, so they've just been released um, just a, a very short while ago, and that's shown a deterioration. So we've seen actually a 1.1% monthly decline in 
in retail sales in the US and 1.1% on a core basis as well. So that's actually uh, much lower than the markets were expecting. So a real negative report there, potentially compounding this idea that we could be seeing a slowdown going into the new year in consumer activity. We know that households have been using that uh, pandemic savings that built up uh, over the course of the last couple of years. They've used around half of that at this point in time. I don't have the details yet of what's driven that decline in retail sales. I mean, these monthly figures are quite volatile, uh, but it has just been released. And this is potentially something that's going to make the Fed a little bit more comfortable, maybe, because one of the things that's concerned the Fed is the fact that there's almost there's been so much resilience within the economy and the labor market. The idea being that these rate hikes aren't working as much as they would have hoped. But if you now look at the most recent data that we've had, we've had jobs reports, which have shown lower wage growth uh, and the revisions to November was really important in that. And um, we've seen slower jobs growth and we've got inflation data, which showed a continued disinflation trend over a around six months, uh, month on month as well. So that, and we saw the first monthly decline in two and a half years. And now we're seeing retail sales in December uh, dipping as well. That would suggest that the data is pointing to economic activity starting to slow in the US. So that's going to get the Fed's attention as well. It may uh, make them feel more at ease about hiking by 25 basis points in February and maybe even then slowing to zero after that and seeing how the data starts to pan out because the last thing they want to do is trigger an unnecessary recession because they've gone too far. So the Fed may look at this data and not be overly concerned and they may view it as a sign that ultimately these rate hikes are working and that could have positive implications for inflation. Okay, Craig, thanks very much for joining us. We'll speak to you again very soon. Thanks a lot. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.